Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Anyone in the field of health knows full well how tightly joined the mind, body, and spirit are. You impact one, and you'll probably be impacting the other two as well. The same is true in the world in general, especially when it comes to religion. Changes in economics, social structure, and even education can impact religious freedom in some rather profound ways. Here to make that case is Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. He joins us today to talk about Brexit, that's the United Kingdom saying bye-bye to the European Union, Brexit and Protestant peace. Lincoln, how on earth are those two connected? Well, let's talk about it a little bit. Yes. I, I, you described it very well, and so our listeners already know, I think, essentially what Brexit is. Yeah. But I'm not so sure, even at this late stage, that most uh, on this side of the Atlantic, do it sounds a little bit like a sort of a breakfast cereal. But uh, I was surprised the other day, and of course the Brexit vote's just barely been taken at the end of January. Right. But uh, the next day, I was walking through a uh, store in California and looking at something, and I overhear from close by the shop assistants, male shop assistants, arguing and talking loudly about Brexit. It just happens as one of them. And the others didn't seem to know much about it and were a bit cynical. Oh, it's a great thing, he says. It's a great thing. I thought, that's very interesting. I've never heard an American even volunteer. <laughs> really? You know, Why? <laughs> let alone to be in favor of it. So uh, I didn't go over immediately, but later I had cause to go over and ask a question. And I said, oh, I overheard you talk about Brexit. And the guy surprised me. It turned out he was an English young guy, probably in his 30s. He said he'd come as an even younger kid. But he says, I watch what happens in England. It's a great thing. It's a good thing. And so we discussed it a bit. And I told him how extraordinary it was to hear that because, you know, mostly the concern here is what happens in this continent, not yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. And I've probably said it on this program before, but I did tell him of Mark Twain's Samuel Clements comment at the time of the U.S. war in the Philippines, he said, foreign wars are God's way of teaching geography to Americans. <laughs> That's right. And I also told him what had just happened a day or two before yeah. a reporter that was harassing President Trump. Of course, turn and turn about, he's yeah. not too good to the press. But they harassed him, and so he responded about Ukraine. So he whipped out a map of the area, and he said, show me where the Ukraine is. <laughs> <laughs> And the reporter knew, and yes. so he got angry and stalked off. Yes, yes. <laughs> but we all know that very few people could put their finger on it, and hopefully uh, Americans could be more accurate on England. Yeah. But I don't think most realize what's going on with Brexit. And I think those from other countries clearly have experienced it more. And, you know, I grew up in Australia when I was a little kid. I picked up on the panic in Australia, when a member of the Commonwealth, I think it was the late 50s, or early 60s, when England joined the European Common Market, it was called, mm -hmm. which was the precursor to the European Union. So ever since then, England had been cutting its ties with its former colonies and its own captive market for raw materials and joining with Europe. And I've always thought that it was a marriage of convenience for England, because when you look at the long history of England, not just a channel separates England from the continent, but 
in many ways, culture yes. and slash religion. Yes, yes. There are Protestant countries on the mainland of Europe, but more and more the pre-Reformation influence of the Roman Catholic is increasing. And I really think that creates a certain dissonance with England. The immediate catalyst for the English wanting out is immigration. And even uh, last night, in a sleep delirium, I made the mistake of leaving my radio on with earphones and I was listening to uh, BBC News and they were going on about refugees on the Greek island of Lesbos. I think there's like 7,000 of them there pent up in, in a detainment camp where they're living still in tents and all the rest. And what do we do with them? Where do they go? The reality is that many of these tens, if not hundreds of thousands of refugees from, from the Balkans, from Iraq and places like that, have been flooding into Europe. And once in, there's a common, well, it's the European common market. It's the European Union. It's a singular political entity, one passport to travel anywhere. And a lot of them have been heading to England. And uh, you can still go online and see the British truckers literally fighting off people, throwing rocks at the trucks and, and breaking the back door and getting in the truck to come through the channel to England. So that's what's precipitated it. But I believe that there's a, a certain religious sensibility. And I hope I have enough time to read something that I got online that I think explains it as about as well as I could. It says this says, there is also overlap between the values of Catholicism and the nature of the EU integration. It has been argued that European integration has a distinctly Catholic nature, which reflects the traditional idea of a unified moral leadership, centralized power, Pope, right? Safeguarding Christian values under the power of a central authority. And they quote a reference on that. It's not just an imagined statement from a study. It says, many of the ideals promoted by supporters of EU integration have clear overlaps with the values that lay at the heart of Catholic beliefs and ideal lifestyle. And it says, this overlap is also reflected in the fact that the European project has traditionally been led and strongly supported by political parties with strong links to Catholic values, such as Germany's Christian Democratic Union, Overall, therefore, Catholics are expected to be more supportive of the EU as a political institution and more likely to view EU membership as beneficial to both the global Catholic community and the promotion of Catholic values. And, of course, it was the, uh, and this is me talking now, it was the uh, Treaty of Rome that established the European Union. And the last statement, it says, Protestants, in contrast, have historically been dependent upon strong and independent national governments to assure their protection from the dominance and persecution of the Catholic Church and its allies. They have a historic interest in protecting the sovereignty and independence of the nation-state and suspicion of a supranational institution constraining that sovereignty. The concessions to national sovereignty required by EU membership are consequently unappealing to many Protestants. You have said on this program many times, Lincoln, that if you scratch below the surface of most conflicts, be it social conflicts or military conflicts or political conflicts, you're going to find religion hiding there. And you're absolutely right on this one, too. And then it says, many Protestants' Euroscepticism originated in their concerns that European integration would lead to Catholic dominance. There you go. 
And that wasn't a religious website that I got it from. It's, it was a site with academic studies, and many uh, studies are referenced in that statement I read. And I want to point out that while it may seem either that it's all over with the decision and there's just now rationalization of the different aspects of trading and currency uh, conversion, you know, there's a lot of bits and pieces to sort out now because it was done haphazardly. The real follow-up issue is itself going to be religious. You don't hear it discussed much here, but the real sticking point on the transfer to a separate England and breaking free from the EU has been that the Republic of Ireland, yeah. which is an independent republic on the western side of, of the landmass of England and Scotland, is an independent Catholic majority uh, state that's part of the EU. But on the top of it, on the same contiguous landmass is Northern Ireland, which is part of England. Now, what are they going to do? Because the argument within England has been about resolving this without a Trump-style wall across Ireland oh, to no. restrict anybody from the European oh. Union. Remember, they don't need a passport to get to Ireland. Yeah. Anybody yeah. from the entire European area, once they're inside, can travel anywhere else. So they could literally line up and cross the Irish border at the moment into Northern Ireland, and then they're in England. England doesn't want that. But European Union has resisted vigorously any border controls, and not even talk of a wall yet. I just threw that in. But that's literally what it requires, because it's in a heavily built-up area, and, and not very wide, but compared to the size of the islands, I would think it's the best part of 100 miles right. swatch between the two countries. And that has not been resolved, and it could flare up Again, as I said, the Northern Ireland Troubles, which were between Catholics and Protestants. And as I've probably said before on this program, it all goes back, at least in relatively modern history, to the mid-1600s when Oliver Cromwell, the victorious Puritan general in the English Civil War, took his army to Ireland and put the Irish Catholics to the sword and then settled English Protestant landowners and some free settlers there. And they're the Orangemen that every time they march in the streets, there's rioting in Ireland. So uh, I think we're about to see a follow-up phase of, of religious conflict in Ireland between uh, English Protestants and uh, Irish Catholics, and the European Union will have something to say about it, and we know that it's under the strong influence of Rome and Roman Catholic interests. So religion is going to play a bigger role than ever in this whole story. And can't we also say, especially when it comes to England, which tends to be more secular than anything else, can't we also say that the secularists are on the side of the Protestants on this thing then? We can say that. I don't really buy this, this idea they're secularists. They're just not good practicing people of faith. <laughs> but there's no question. Remember, the established state religion is Anglicanism. And yes, I also yeah, read another yeah. paper that identified Anglican interests as being behind the yeah. need to separate. Yes, English largely see themselves as, as a Protestant sensibility and a Protestant identity versus different countries, but, you know, versus uh, Catholicism, say, in Italy. I guess we can say that if in England, if you are a Protestant or you are not a good Protestant, <laughs> you're still going to have problems with this. You know, but you're back to my favorite hobby horse. We can talk religious identity and, and, and actions on behalf of religion, but it's another thing altogether to talk about the personal spirituality and the, yes. the theological vibrancy in individual lives. 
in the Western world at large, people don't live out their faith in the true way that was intended, but that doesn't mean they don't have a religious identity. This is true. This is true. As the U.S. census gatherers know very much, there's a great discrepancy between uh, uh, church attendance and, and, and nominal church affiliation and those that put their you know, what they put on the census form as to their religious identity. Well, you know, just as they say in religious accommodation cases, it's what's in your heart that matters. Am I right in saying that? Conviction. You're under a conscience conviction, and that has to be honored under the Constitution. And that's where we all need to be. We need to have that conscious conviction in our hearts. Uh, No matter where we live and no matter what we're facing, that has to go with us every step of the way. Well, our time has flown by. LibertyMagazine.org is the website. Check it out. Lots of good resources there for you. Read the articles, listen to these programs, read Lincoln Steed's blogs, watch his television programs. Subscribe to the magazine. It's all there at LibertyMagazine.org. Lincoln, thank you so much for sharing your heart. Always a pleasure. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>